We'll be reading the whole chapter. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thank you, Matt, for reading uh, the scriptures this evening. Thank you. Um, perhaps you were with us this morning and you heard the pastor give the children's address. I really enjoyed it. And, um, and he quoted the text, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And several years ago, God gave me that text. Uh, because, uh, as many of you know, I preached a long time, and I've done some writing, and I've done some publishing. And I used to say, well, you can't talk about that. But that text told me to talk about it. Let your light shine before men. And I'm sure the pastor uh, this morning was saying, let that light shine. Come to church morning and evening. Tell the people uh, that you love Jesus. And uh, I think we should 
say more about what he's done for us. But I just want to update one or two of you because I know that uh, you've known me a good while and I just want to remind you that I'm still writing and I'm still publishing. And I've had books published in Albanian. I've had one in, one in Russian and one or two in Romanian. And at the, at the moment, I've just published a book in Sri Lankan Tamil. Please do pray about them, especially the Tamil book, simply because um, it's in a country that really needs the gospel. And uh, it's my book on Islam, engaging with Islam. And I have had a request for uh, the newest book I've written to be done in Romanian. I just want you to perhaps remain, you know, remember me in prayer because I don't have a church backing me now. You know, I don't have uh, a church to support me now. But it's, uh, it, it's just let your light shine. So it's good to know that uh, the Lord gives us grace to serve him, whatever age we are. Now we're turning to Romans 12, and my text is actually in verse 12. Paul wrote this letter, and his theme is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And in it he explains the meaning of the cross for Jews and Gentiles both. It appears that the epistle was written from Corinth around about A.D. 57 or 58. The whole book starts with uh, uh, thanksgiving and prayer. Then there's a doctrine of God there. There's a way of salvation. Uh, there's uh, two, three chapters on Israel and the gospel. And then there's practical theology. And this is where we are when we come to chapter 12. This the principles and the practices of the Christian life. I want you to notice by introduction to my text in verse 12, what Paul says at the beginning of chapter 12. This is his last section. It's an exhortation and practical application of the theology that he has written about, the gospel that he has presented. And you'll see here in verse 2, he speaks about do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's exactly how it, it reads in the ESV and in my New King James Version here. This describes the power of saving faith, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Really, in that little phrase there, it's salvation abridged, summarized. It's transformation by saving faith announced. And it is illumination said to be the result of being born again. It's affirmed here. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, Paul, after preaching the gospel, is clarifying its fundamental nature. It's calling us to respond in faith and repentance. Notice verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What Paul is doing here is laying a challenge to us to step out in faith and to make a decision. I've given you the message, he said. I've shown you the way, he said. I've given you the truth. Then be, therefore, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. He's asking us to step out in faith. He's asking us to give ourselves to Christ Jesus in the light of the truth of the gospel. That is just a reasonable service or a spiritual worship as you have in the ESV. Be transformed, he says, by the renewing of your mind. And so here we have an explanation. Here is the power of the gospel. In this epistle then, he tells us that salvation is justification, it's illumination, it's sanctification, and it will end in glorification. Amen? Amen. And so he tells us that we need to be saved and salvation provides new understanding. It provides knowledge of the truth as it is in Jesus. In Second Peter, in the epistle chapter 1, he sees, Peter says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. The knowledge of him is this transforming by the renewing of your mind. It's bringing the light that we heard about this morning into our life. It's bringing salvation to our soul. It's doing something that cannot be done unless it's done by the Spirit of God through faith in the gospel. The old self, as we've been hearing about, the old worldly mind is now replaced. It's new. It's spiritual. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And this is what Paul is saying here. As we believe, the Spirit works and we are transformed. We're new people. We're now saints. Can you believe it? We're now saints. Do we call each other saints? Well, we should do because that's what the Bible calls us. And the Spirit comes and he blesses us in Christ Jesus. And by faith, we live a life of self-sacrifice and love. And so we have to embrace 
what he says in these verses. And unless we know what it is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, having presented our bodies a living sacrifice, we won't be able to keep up the high standard of holiness and godliness that's described in this amazing chapter. And uh, it's quite long to read, not as long as sometimes, but it, it doesn't stop, does it? It keeps challenging us in every verse because we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, my text then is verse 12. You might not need this verse now, but someday you will. And to me, it's been a blessing, a real blessing, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, or as the ESV says, rejoicing in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And so this is the theme. The theme is this, how to find hope, help, and happiness in troubling times. Now in Psalm 27, verse 14, we read, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Friends, waiting on the Lord is not standing still. There are times in our lives when Satan buffets us far more than normal. And effort, therefore, is needed as Paul exhorts in Philippians to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So we are to persevere. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul writes, As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. And it can be so easy to lose heart. We're not as tough as our grandparents. We lose heart easy. It reminds me of something I would say sometimes about missionary service. Why are there not so many missionaries? Because we've got central heating. We're not tough enough. We like it to be easy. We like the easy life. Christianity is not an easy life. I wonder if you've been there. I wonder if you're there now. Times are hard. Spurgeon, in one of his sermons, suggests that in times of tiredness, we ought to walk in faith. That is, we ought to express our unsagging confidence in Christ. He says, wait patiently for God. Do not rebel because we are under affliction. But bless God for it, he says. Can we bless God for our afflictions? And thirdly, he says, wait in prayer. Call on God. Tell him your difficulties. Well, these three points from Spurgeon, wait in faith, wait in quiet patience, 
wait in prayer. Exactly what we have in this text. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly. Steadfast in prayer. So here is help from the scripture. It's encapsulated in this one small verse. Offering permanent, constant counsel to those in Christ. It's an exhortation that is relevant for cheerfulness, perseverance, and help in troubling times. And so I have three points here. First point is rejoicing in hope. Hope and praise. Hope and praise. Although hope speaks to us about the future, it is also about looking back and remembering the gospel story, remembering our personal blessings. Aren't we forgiven our sins? Just like David, as we heard earlier from Psalm 51. Haven't we peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Haven't we been showing loving kindness and care from heaven and goodness and mercy all the days of our life? Rejoicing in hope. As we look back at that, as we think even of the present blessings, these spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, as we remember our adoption into God's family by free grace. Isn't that something wonderful? Isn't that a memory to, to hold and maintain? Rejoice in hope. But of course, hope looks to tomorrow. We have the blessings of the past still to remember. But these new blessings will not disappear we have to daily remember them and to rejoice because life is tough. And in difficult days, it's even tougher. Hope, of course, is looking forward to a future, to future blessings in Christ and to be expectant as we trust him. Hebrews 6, which hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into, the, into that within the veil, into the presence of God behind the veil. Christian hope, then, is a great comfort to us when we believe. King David long ago remembered in Psalm 119, and I quote, remember the word of your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction and your word has given me life. Dear friends, look up. Lift your chin up. You're a child of God. Whatever is happening now, whatever is happening in the future, there is hope. Hope is faith. And it's patience as well. It's faith plus patience. It's subjective 
grace. It comforts us. And faith makes us believe. And hope makes us happy. Romans 15. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. Rejoice in hope. Whatever you're feeling tonight, whatever comes tomorrow, don't forget his grace. Don't forget his love. Don't forget his tender mercies. Don't forget that he has washed us from our sins in the precious blood of the Lamb. Precious blood of the Lamb. Come in. Come in, Clyde. Sit there with Violet there. We've been waiting for Clyde. He's got a bit lost, I think. (laughs) Good to see you. So hope. So dear friends, no matter our present circumstances, may we rejoice always remembering the forgiveness of sins, the peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hope and praise, rejoicing in hope. Secondly, help and patience. Help and patience. Patient in tribulation. Patience, of course, is essential for perseverance. Remember the story of the patriarch Job? He had no choice but to be patient. He went through illness. He went through the great pain of bereavement. He went through the problem of bankruptcy. But he waited for God. He waited for God to intervene and answer his prayers. He said, though you slay me, I will trust you. Isn't that trusting God? Isn't that being patient in perseverance? Of course, patience is Godward, vertical as well. Got to be patient with God. We want everything tomorrow, don't we? We want our prayers answered straight away, don't we? But it doesn't always work that way. And we've got to be patient horizontally, don't we? Patient for God working in this life. Both of these, a horizontal patience and a vertical patience, speaks of meekness. Meekness. Let us be meek before God. Let us be patient and know the patience of Job in these days of apostasy. Let us be patient in tribulation and bear up bravely under trials and unwelcome providences. And when they come, let's say, Lord, Lord, what's next? What's next? Thy will be done. How does patience affect us personally and practically? Very briefly, well, it gives us strength. Strength to endure difficult people and difficult circumstances, for it supplies self-control. Secondly, it brings serenity. 
It feeds peace to the soul. There is a need for internal peace so that the joy of the Lord may be our strength. And patience, thirdly, gives us stability. It's a needed attribute that helps us to remain steadfast under strain. And then we will not just, then we will not just stand still, but we will press on and we will persevere. The trials of Job's faith proved him to be a genuine believer, a man of God, a man full of faith. So let's have that patience, dear friends. It's so hard for most of us to cope with it. Without it, of course, we put ourselves on the throne, don't we? We don't wait for the Lord. Patience, then, is not procrastination, but it's faith in operation. The Christian, then, is called to exercise the grace of patience, to wait and to wait for the call even to go home, to heaven. Some of us want to go now, but we have to wait if that's God's will. Matthew Henry says, All that deal with God must deal upon trust, and he will give comfort to those only that give credit to him. Isn't he a Lord? Isn't he a God? Isn't he a Father? Isn't he promising that he will love us always? Listen to Spurgeon. Ask him, says Spurgeon, to give thee that patience which endureth affliction. Array yourself with patience that you may not murmur nor be depressed in your affliction. End quote. Rejoice in hope, dear friends. Do we need that now? Be patient in tribulation. You will need it someday. And thirdly, happiness and prayer. Continuing steadfast in prayer. Well, of course, there's no need for me to remind you that prayer is very important in the Christian life. And Spurgeon said, if there's no prayer, then the soul is dead. Is dead, and he's right, isn't he? Prayer is the hand that touches the hem of Christ's garment. It's the evidence of a living soul and a quickened spirit. The Greek text here implies, I will continually, steadfastly pray. I will keep praying. And of course, that's what the Lord wants. Remember, Jesus told us parables about prayer, about being patient with prayer. So we hope in the one who is the God who answers prayer. We're patient for the time when he will answer prayer. And we must bring our request to him in humility and faith. And as we express those prayers from our hearts, then we look to him and we find fellowship in him. Prayer is fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Prayer is one of the greatest blessings human beings 
can know and be involved in. And we must know him. We must know him. And there must have been a transformation by the renewing of our minds. It's then we will prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, Jesus said, we're to pray. That's God's idea, isn't it? God's idea. Paul says, you've got to be prayer warriors. Let's talk to him then personally. Let's talk to him patiently. Let's talk to him with hope in our hearts. Let's remember Jacob at Peniel. What a time he had as he wrestled with God. There's mental emotion. There's physical effort. We can leave the prayer moment exhausted. But let's continue in prayer. Let's remember God wants it and we need it. So the Bible teaches us. It teaches us also the priesthood of all believers. For the Holy Spirit abides in us in union with the Godhead. The Lord's Prayer reminds us how we should approach him. Hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done. So let's remind ourselves that our Father loves to hear our prayers. Let's pray knowing that he has asked us to do so. Jesus says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh the door will be opened unto him. It's paramount that you keep praying. Have you stopped? Perhaps you have. You think it's a waste of time? I'm sorry, but you're wrong. It is not. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation continuing steadfastly in prayer, no matter what your present circumstances may be. So we conclude, hope is to rejoice in time of need. To persevere is to continue when things are tough. To pray is to abide in fellowship with Christ Jesus, our Savior and our Father in heaven. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. As I said, you may not need this text right now, but you will someday. You will. And it's only those who are transformed by the renewing of your mind that will be blessed by putting, verse 12, into operation. We need daily repentance and daily fellowship. Grace is not mechanical. That is, we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We can't just say, well, I made a decision. I'll just do what I want. No, we have to walk with God. Walk with God. Listen to Paul, end of his life, 2 Timothy 4. For I am ready 
being poured out. I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. Notice he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's fighting. He's running. He's believing to the end. We're all called then to that reality. No one can do it for you. Your mother can't do it for you. Your pastor can't do it for you. You've got to do it. Because God has transformed you by the renewing of your mind. You've got to do it. Let's have unwavering hope, patience, and let's be earnest in prayer for the Lord's coming again. Amen. Amen. Let's be ready for his coming. Let's wait for that glorious and wonderful day when he shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be cut off to meet him in the air. Isn't that wonderful? What hope? Rejoice in that hope. Remember it always through the tough times. Isn't it wonderful to be saved? I think it is. I think it more and more as I get older and older. How wonderful that he found me. How wonderful that he forgave me. How wonderful that he keeps me. How wonderful that he promises me so much. How wonderful that he's coming from heaven for me. Isn't it wonderful to have that assurance, to have that blessing? Rejoice in hope, patience in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer.